powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. Joining us now from spring training, it's Mariners insider Shannon Dreyer on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Hey, Shannon, how's it going? It's going, but I just scared the heck out of Matt Nelson. I didn't pick up the first time he called oh, because no. I was watching <laughs> I was watching George Kirby. He's throwing a live BP right now. He's throwing to uh, Josh Rojas. And Rojas, after his first at bat, walked up to where the coaches were with a radar gun and asked, what's he hitting on that right now? It's like, that last one was 95. Just so he's trying to get the stuff. Trying to get the stuff. Comes back. is next to bat. And George gets him swinging on three pitches. And so you guys are calling in, and he's 0-2. And I know this is just spring training, but it was just so ridiculously nasty, and I'll post it later. And I think you'll hear on the video me saying, yeah, I'm supposed to be on the air right now, but I have to see this next pitch. Completely fair. <laughs> Completely fair. I understand. Is he, you know, if you have to think of, you know, right now it's just pitchers and catchers who have reported, but you've still gotten a look at least at some position players in terms of just like who looks good. Who's impressed you most where you go, oh, this is going to be interesting to follow? You know, I can't, it's, it's really too early for yeah. that, but I think that, yeah, I think you've probably heard at this point that they're really happy with everything that they've seen. That guys, it's evident that there was a ton of work that was put in in the off season. And you know, the bottom line is, is you got a lot of competitive guys on this team, and they did not like how the season finished last night or last year. We talked to Ty France this morning, and he said it was just the weirdest thing. Like we didn't even know what to feel when that happened. It was just so foreign because it really wasn't on their mind that they wouldn't be playing in the postseason, and it all ended so abruptly. And so you see, guys, that you know, I think you can kind of see that extra focus that, that went in and hearing how many guys showed up early. And it's normal for guys to show up early, but the number of guys that did and as early as they showed up, and if you were following social media, to me it seemed like there were guys you could see were getting back after it earlier in the off season. So to me, you're looking at a group that I think going in, you could think, well, it was a really weird off season for the organization. What's this going to look like? Uh, you know where this team's focus has been and it's it's been great to see early shannon i don't know if you know this about me but um i travel a lot and when i'm in the airport and i see anybody who looks athletic i gotta walk up to them and size them up it's just something i do right <laughs> um is there anybody you saw this physically that you're like i gotta walk up to this young man size him up and just see this transformation anybody who looks a bit different to this year as opposed to last year well, that's Brock Heward's game, but I do like to scout a little bit <laughs> for him before he gets here. Yes, there we go. Um, you know, Julio, and the thing that really kind of stood out to me, and every year he looks a little bit bigger or a little bit different, but he looked older. He looked a little more mature. He looked, you know, he is 23 years old right now, and that's kind of the age where most of the really good ones are starting to break in. He's got the two years under his belt, but he did, you know, look a little bit older in the face, look a little bit, you know, even a little bit bigger, but not a big, big or not a bad big with him. And that to me, I, I just thought, you know, it's kind of a indicator of where this club could be because a lot of things are going to rest on the shoulders of Julio Rodriguez. It's hard to imagine if he has a great season that the Mariners won't finish a good season. And, and so to see him, and that's no surprise that he would come in in the shape he did, but to see that, it did kind of start only a little bit that all of a sudden, yeah, it's not the baby face anymore. It's not the rookie anymore. A little bit older, a little bit wiser. I thought that was good to see. 
What did you make of um, Julio's comments? I know that he spoke with reporters and he talked about his 2023 season. And Shannon, I asked because to me it sounded um, like a good kind of defensiveness. You know what I mean? It was an ownership of 2023, but also very clearly saying no one wants to improve more than me. Like, what did you make overall of the tone? I was glad to hear it. And I could have been, I might have been wrong about it. But to me, I didn't hear a ton of accountability for when he didn't come through last year. And I know that there's some people who are saying, I had an over five war last year. He was fourth in MVP voting. How could that be a sophomore slump? Well, there were times, you know, he did not get off to the best start. And the majority of his big numbers came at the end of July and through August. And, you know, there were times when he didn't come through in situations. There were times when the struggles were too long. He didn't pull out of them quick enough. And, uh, you know, if that sounds harsh, well, he's raised that bar himself. You know, this is a guy that he built his incentive in his contract not to be plate appearances, as most do, but MVP finishes, gold glove finishes, silver slugger finishes, all-star games, things like that. You know, he sets that bar. He wants to be that superstar. And he, you know, his standard, I think he was admitting that he didn't meet. And I don't know that we always heard that at the time. Sometimes it was more, oh, that's baseball or, you know, things are going to happen and things like that. Uh, I don't think that he, in his mind, was thinking that, you know, it was all that. I think a lot of that was just, how do I handle this? How do I talk about it? I think that's the inexperience there. But to hear him, you know, sit up there and say that, I thought was big. And as far as wanting it, I do like some. It kind of said to me, uh, and it wasn't just that comment. There was another comment that he made about, you know, all the people talking about, you should have this or you should have that or you know, big that. It's not always that, you know, it's there are quality players out there that do other things that are important to a team. I I thought there was a lot of kind of uh, kind of pushing back a little bit at some of the things. So Mm -hmm. I think he has seen some of the the talk and some of the just, you know, things that some people want for this team. And he's just kind of telling them, you know, we're the ones out here who are doing the work. We feel it the most and and we know what we need around us and we know what we can be. So I kind of liked it. I thought that that was, I don't know if controversial is the right word, but it definitely wasn't kind of just kind of the, the pre-thought out, I'm going to say this, 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 and this. I thought it was pretty honest and a little bit a little bit on the offense, which I thought was good. Shannon, um, one of the things that impressed me about this offseason is that the Mariners were able to make moves but keep these young arms and Miller and Wu. Miller adds a pitch uh, to his whole deal. Have you seen that new pitch, and how are those young arms looking? I've not seen the new pitch yet, and I've heard good things about it. I know that by the numbers when he was pitching, you know, with the different technologies that they have that can measure the pitches, uh, the numbers were all right there. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays into games. I also like that he said it is a splitter. He's not going to throw it a ton in spring training. He's not going to throw it a ton early. His arm needs to get used to that. That is a pitch that, you know, can put a lot of wear and tear on the arm, and he's being smart about that. So we'll see where that goes. But in addition to adding that that splitter, he also really worked on the slider, which are the sweeper for him, which is going to give him more weapons against left-handers, which I think was the biggest part of his problems uh, once he got past his first few weeks in the game. So that's great. Uh, just watch Brian Wu throw a bullpen, and it looks you know, good. It, there's so many things that you really can't tell until they get in front of hitters or unless they're doing something that looks absolutely terrible. Uh, not clear on what he's added yet because 
he's kind of in the same boat as Bryce Miller is, where the lefties were his kryptonite. So I'm going to be interested to see what he is able to do and kind of what the plan is there for him to offset that. But, um, you know, as far as uh, the others go, I mean, Luis Castillo looked like he could throw him in opening day tomorrow when we saw him the other day. Uh, Gilbert looks like Logan Gilbert, and George just looked ridiculous in his short five batting practice. Um, can you explain the competition for, you know, the last bench spots and kind of who, ha- who has the upper hand coming into camp? I don't think there is one. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, for me, when I look at it, I can't imagine. I Dominic Canzone is going to be the fourth outfielder unless something goes terribly wrong and he looks absolutely terrible in spring training. Uh, I, I can't then, and that would be the only spot where, you know, perhaps you could put if Taylor Trammell blew the doors off, maybe you would do something there because Trammell's out of options and you would have to put him on the roster or risk exposing him to other teams. Um, I don't think Sam Haggerty is in a great spot right now because, again, I, I think that that last spot is, is probably going to be the fourth outfielder. So as long as everybody stays healthy, I, I think you can pretty much almost ink in uh, what the 26 are on the position or what the 13 are on the position player side. There were some changes that with the coaching staff, uh, specifically uh, Volt not being in, a, in the bullpen anymore. It's probably a, a tough question to answer, but have you seen like any change in, in routine or regimen, or is it pretty much business as usual? Uh, one thing that I didn't see but I heard about it was the day before I got there is they had the pitchers uh, when they were doing some of their fielding practice rather than do it from the mound. They put them over at second base, and uh, one of the coaches, I don't remember which one it was, wanted them to do that just to let them get a little more athletic and kind of mix things up a little bit. So they were kind of doing flips and tossing balls to first base from second base rather than off of the mound. And I think that's just something to kind of keep things interesting. Uh, One of the things that I'm going to be really interested to see as this camp goes on is we did hear Brant Brown, who is the new bench coach and also kind of offensive strategist, uh, say that, you know, we really have to get off to a better start. We have to find ways to be better early in the season. But what's that going to look like? You can't tell them, oh, hit better. You know, it doesn't mean there will be a little bit more small ball. Are they going to ask them to do anything differently? That's something I'll keep my eyes open for. Um, If you're uh, looking at some of the wild cards for the season, it's how we began, Bump and I, our conversation before bringing you on. Ty France was by far the most popular answer. There are a few other names thrown in there, Mitch Hanniger being one of them. If you look at someone who just has the potential forget you know projecting the games he's going to play or health or anything like that if you're looking at someone who has the potential to most impact the team as a kind of a wild card who are you looking at wow um there's so many <laughs> yeah i'm feel free to go over a couple <laughs> i do like that you just said ty france and i think i have i think it's up right now we spoke with ty france this morning and i should have a piece up on seattle sports about that and uh, you know, first thing, you went to driveline, and that was huge. Um, second thing, you heard good things in the off season. Third thing, we get here, and throughout the organization, you hear a lot of belief in what he has done. And what Ty said, and I think we've talked about this a little bit before, but Ty's swing is a little bit different. It was developed in college, and Tony Gwynn helped with it. And Ty is a guy that's kind of very organic in how he has handled that swing, and he's never really wanted to change it. And he's a guy that kind of always thought that, he is his own best hitting coach, and that's true for most. I mean, nobody knows your swing better than you do, but uh, he has had a very rough – he had a rough year last year. He had a rough second half of the year before, and I know injuries were sometimes a part of it, but, you know, other things were going on. And when he finally made the decision to go 
to driveline, which is something that, you know, that is very hands-on and very different, very, you know, use of all of the technology over there, that was a big step that, that he took. And he said, uh, you know, very quickly it, it hit him, and he had no idea once they hooked up everything and broke everything down how far off his swing was, that he had gotten so far away from what he had been doing. And that's not something you're going to see unless you have that kind of breakdown. So he put in a lot of work um, on the swing. I think there's been some work on the physical side uh, that has been done as well. He looks fantastic. And I asked Scott this morning, is there a chance that, you know, maybe he doesn't just get back to Ty, he can really hit France, the one that we knew so well when he first came over. Is there a chance he could get better? And he said, yeah, I mean, there's some things they're working on approach-wise that that could also help him. So I'm very intrigued to see what he could be. Because if you look at last year, if, if you had had, you know, Ty France of the year before, at the first half of the year before, they're in the postseason. Now, he could be one of their most valuable additions is just getting him back to who he was. And, it, you know, if that's the bottom and he can do better than that, well, you've got a really good player right there. Julio Rodriguez, the step that he takes forward next will be very interesting. Um, I'm very intrigued by Dom Canzone. I don't know how much he's going to play. I think he's going to play a decent amount, and there's kind of challenges when you're not playing every day. But I want to see what he is offensively. We've seen he can have tremendous power. You know, what? what what's kind of in between the, the shots off the hit it here cafe. What does he do there? So I, I think that he's an interesting player as well. What's, um, I mean, we, we keep hearing driveline guys have uh, made their way over there. What's in the sauce over there in driveline? Is there like a common technique or theme that you're hearing when you speak to these guys who have visited the, that facility over there? Well, there's a lot. I mean, just bottom line is they are on the cutting edge uh, of baseball and baseball technology, but they're not, you know, they're not all just nerds over there. They know the game. They know how to coach the game, which is most important. You know, Ty France is a guy that's been, I don't know if a resistant is the right word, but uh, suspicious, I think, of changes. And that's how athletes are. You know, you have to make that. When you're going to go make a change in this game, there's a chance it gets worse, you know? And, and so there's a lot of trust that goes in making that change. And, you know, they're able to coach that. And so, you know, they have every advantage with the technologies, some of which I believe, uh, you know, they have come up with themselves. But if you walk in there, I mean, you see numbers, you see boards, you see sensors, you see lasers, you see just everything. And in this day and age, you can break down everything and you can find out, you know, exactly where things are going wrong. We saw quite a bit of it on the pitching side for the longest time. Now you're starting to see more of it on the hitter side. And uh, I think it's just a great combination of uh, being able to figure it out and then just being able to message it and coach it. It seems interesting because it feels like when we were talking about potentially like third-party trainers and coaches, which is super common across all leagues for players, especially star players, um, that sometimes that can get in the way of coaching or it can make things kind of difficult because if you're the team, in addition to an agent, now you got to, you know, think about all the other people they're working with. Um, where does, not necessarily just driveline, but like, how does that change the dynamic from your point of view as a reporter, as someone who's covered kind of different iterations of Mariners teams? How does it change the game a little bit that guys incorporate kind of third parties into their development as players? Well, you know, obviously it's making the game better because yeah. they're developing better players and they're helping. And it's part of it. A lot of people will ask me, what do the Mariners think of this? They encourage it. And not just driveline, but there are other facilities and there are other coaches, you know, throughout baseball. And the key there is, is that there's communication with the other coach or with the other performance center. 
And with driveline in particular, it's right in their backyard. There's a lot of trust. And so you don't just send a player, and they don't. It's Most of the players do this on their own. But it's, it, when a player is at one of these places, it's not just show up in Peoria or wherever you're going to show up in um, in in February, and uh, we'll see what it is. I mean, there's com- constant communication with the organization, usually through the coaches, and sometimes they'll even stop by and see some of the work that was going on. You know, it's something that happened when Logan Gilbert was developing the splitter last year. He got a call from the um, organization where Logan was working and developing it, and the coach said, yeah, I don't know if this is really going to happen or not. And Pete Woodworth got on a plane and came out and took a look at it, and they did kind of work through it together, and the next thing you know, Logan's got the splitter. So it's um, you know, it's just part of the game right yeah. now. I think it changes it for better. I think you know, it's nothing that you can really push against because if you do, you're going to get left behind. She is Mariners insider Shannon Dreyer. Got the latest up on seattlesports.com. Go check it out. More to come from Shannon out at spring training. Thanks so much, Shannon. Thanks, Shannon. You got it, guys. All right, let's get to headline rewrites. Headline rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bob and Stacy. Portland Trailblazers viewership on Root Sports is down 49% this season. What's the real headline? I promise I would find a way to support Root Sports if I could find it. And once <laughs> I find it, so help me God, I will watch everything. Now, um,. I would just like to say I did a couple iterations of this. One thing was name me something harder to find than Root Sports with lots of, lots of potential <laughs> suggestions uh. from people. Um, but I do think that this is obviously the biggest problem. And you can say that for many regional sports networks, that when you don't work out deals with, with Hulu or YouTube TV or whoever it is that you're working with and more people turn to streaming, it becomes harder to find these services. That, in addition to not having Dame, in addition to having a worse record, is what's impacting this. Now nah, they're garbage. That's what's really impacting that. If they were <laughs> sure. good, people would find a way. But yeah, Root doesn't make it easy. Um, what the Trailblazers are fifteen and thirty nine. The fifth worst team in the NBA. You know who saw some gangs in viewership though? Nuggets, Timberwolves, yeah. Suns, hundred and thirty something percent. Spurs. The Spurs are eleventh in the West, and they still got more viewers. You know why? Wimbin Yamato. Uh, yeah. If you have a marquee player, people are gonna watch. But you know what, Portland. Keep losing ball games because that means that those tickets are going to be cheap. And I'm taking my kids to a game this year. So uh, I shall benefit from root sports being difficult to find. One thing that's interesting to me, and I actually didn't realize this, is that Phoenix Suns viewership is up 94% year over year. That is as in from last year. The reason is because their owner, Matt uh, Ishbia, made their games available for free. So he opted not to have a deal with Diamond Sports Group. So then put the majority of games on Arizona Family 3 TV. Now, I'm not one to like watch pockets. So if you're someone that's like, but I would like to make money from my business venture. I don't want to put this for free on TV. Then that's fine. You do you. But there is a very strong correlation between access and viewership. And, you know, if you're a team that's really, really good, like I will find a way to pay to watch the teams in part because that's our job but also because I do love watching sports. If it's someone like my mom who like, she'll watch, she'll be a fan, but she's not going to go out of her way. That's the target audience you're missing out on when you make it difficult to find. Headline rewrites. Luis Arias has been shut down from throwing for the time being after dealing with lingering shoulder inflammation from winter ball. What's the real headline? That's the kind of news you love to see about your starting third baseman. Let me tell you what. 
No, that's all bad, man. But it's not it's not a huge deal, right? Some inflammation within the shoulder. It's early in spring training. These things are going to happen. It's hard to um, to simulate what, what's going down in spring training. And, um, and with baseball players, they seem to get these little nagging injuries because throwing a baseball is an unnatural thing to do. That's why you cannot... Uh, pitch back-to-back days. That's why you look at these college softball players. They can go and go and go. More of a natural motion, so I'm not too concerned about that. The only concerning part is that there's a history of him being banged up. Uh, Hamstring injury in 2023. He also had a calf strain as well. So hopefully he's not one of those players who just has some bad luck. But when I hear an injury like this, Early in, in spring training, I don't panic too much. I, I don't either. I do think the position itself makes you a little bit nervous because you're already looking at a platoon situation there. Um, it's the same thing I'd feel if all of a sudden you start having issues in the outfield and you're going yeah. <laughs> a little bit nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But overall, you're right. It is way too early, uh, unless you hear about someone having surgery, to panic about any injury. Headline rewrites. MLB.com's Daniel Kramer writes that Matt Chapman's asking price is said to be north of $100 million. What's the real headline? Sure, but for that price, the Mariners could also get three platoon guys and a soft serve machine, so you make <laughs> your pick. That sounds like a Mariners deal. Yeah, in my mind, I'm getting four things for one. Yeah, exactly. It's all it's all perspective, right? How you look at it. But here's the thing about Matt, man. He, uh, he turned down a deal. The rumor has it he turned down a deal or an extension with the Blue Jays that was around $100 million. All right, MLB trade rumor says he is up for a six-year, $150 million deal. That's what he's worth. That's what they're saying. He's benefiting from the lack of position players on the market. So good for Chapman being available when he is available. Um, we'll see if the Mariners do this. This doesn't sound like a Mariners type of deal. $100 million, $150 million. Who is he? Julio Rodriguez? No, he's Chapman. Think about Chapman as you're going to look at his numbers when he's uh, at the plate and say, look, there's been a drop in that, but he does have a good glove. Got his fourth goal glove last year. His power numbers are still pretty good, but uh, yeah, man, I, you got to wait this out if you're the Mariners. You don't jump in, and why would we expect him just to jump in and pay right. the man what he's asking for? That's not what they do. So we shall see. Again, baseball's crazy to me that these guys who are uh, established veterans just hang around as long as they can while teams are already in Arizona and Florida putting work in. Well, and part of it is because, especially if you're a veteran, you can jump in and get to work, and it's okay if you miss a little bit of time. And granted, if you get off to a slow start, you're able to go, well, I didn't really have a full spring training. We were figuring out the deal. Um, but overall, it's not quite it's not as intense. Let's just say what football. it is. It's not quite as intense nah. as missing all of training camp and then hitting the ground running and you're catching your breath. Now, you, you go to the park with your teenager or, or your boy and, you know, you can put some work in. Exactly. It's not like you're learning a new playbook and you're learning new technique when it comes to uh, your drops or your routes. There is a bunch of technique that goes into baseball. It's not going to twist it. A very skilled sport. But you're right. It's not like um, it's a necessity that you're, you're there every single day for spring training. You're listening to Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. I have bad news for people like you, Bump, who love to hate the Cowboys, plus a wild trade proposal. It's coming your way next. Bumpin' Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacey Ross. Oh, horrible news. Horrible news. Um, is there any one or anything, any show, any any song, any anything that you love to hate? Any song, any just, show, just anything, anything. Where you're like, I love, you know, people like love to hate Taylor Swift. Maybe they yeah. love to hate Beyonce. Maybe they love to hate, mm-hmm. uh, you know, fill in the blank. The Cowboys. Of course. Who does Of course the Cowboys. You love to hate the Cowboys. Who likes the Cowboys? Literally raise your hand. Shame on you. 
<laughs> that was a trap. Well, I have bad news if you love to hate the Cowboys. The Cowboys are the most valuable sports team in the world. This is from Sportico, $9.2 billion. Uh, the Cowboys come in at number one. Number two is the Golden State Warriors. The Seahawks are on here at number 26. Now, don't feel too bad. There's still a number of NFL teams that are around the same place. The Broncos are 24. Steelers are 27. Packers are... I'm surprised the Packers are 28. I guess like a public team per se maybe i don't know um but there are a couple here lower than i expect uh let's see uh where was the other one a couple baseball teams low on here oh the Bengals at number 53 was lower than i expected i'm not surprised at the the dallas cowboys man uh, i don't like the cowboys but jerry jones has done a great job just promoting this team even even though they will break your heart every single year dallas cowboys fans keep it rolling thing that surprised me the most about this list is the Golden State Warriors at number two. Mm-hmm. Imagine the Warriors 12 years ago, 10 years ago. They would not be on this list. My Lakers come in at four, and uh, the Mariners are on here as well. Where did I see the Mariners? Ah, 96 out of 100. 96. Hey, we made the list. Made the did. list. What I noticed about this list is that, um, granted, the U.S. is massive. Um, there's room for a lot of teams. Yeah, we dominate this list, man, when it comes to the most viable teams. For I sure. started talking about just things that you love to hate. Uh, Brad in Seattle says, I love to love Kanye. Okay. Okay. Some people do love to hate Kanye. Yeah. Oh, Kim Kardashian's another one people love to hate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that because anytime you see someone uh, write, like, why is this news? You love to hate that. You know why? Because you took the time and energy to respond to something. You people, love to hate it. People love to hate LeBron, too. Yeah, people love to hate. Um, I don't know about loving to hate the Chiefs. Most people like the Chiefs. I haven't met many people who just don't like the Chiefs. You know who people love to hate? Patrick Mahomes' wife. For sure. Now, even if you genuinely don't like her, there is an energy put in by people to comment on things about her. That is called loving to hate something. You know what I appreciate about her is that she is just herself. Yeah. She has not changed for nobody, and nope. she shouldn't. Next up, speaking of the Chiefs, you mentioned this in Get Off My Lawn. We're getting back to it, though. The audio of Travis Kelsey's Super Bowl blow-up on Andy Reid exists. It just may never see the light of day. According to Pro Football Talk, it could be buried forever. We know that NFL Films had microphones everywhere in the game. It's the Super Bowl. Of course they're mic'd up or they know exactly like what's going on. Maybe they can hear something. But NFL Films, owned and operated by the NFL... And so maybe they're using a little bit of discretion, not wanting to disclose what was said. Just do it. Soft. Release the tape. Release the tape. What's we the big know. deal? It all went down. And honestly, this gives you a better insight of just the intensity of a football game. How these players go through all these emotions, man. I mean, I remember playing after games and being so emotionally drained after a game. You got to give me like an hour before I can even clock in and talk to you. But yeah, man, I mentioned it in a get off my lawn. Y'all sure did um, expose Sam Darnold with his I'm seeing ghosts out there. And now everybody sees Sam Darnold as an incompetent quarterback. Now, he hasn't had the most success in this league, but he is a good football player or he wouldn't be in this league. Release the tape. I want to feel that energy. And it's not even because I want to hate on the situation. I am genuinely interested in just the energy that is in a football game, especially the Super Bowl. Uh, All right, we are going to cover back-to-back Bears stories, and I know that we're Seahawks fans here, so you're thinking, why do I care about the Bears? A, um, it's a look around the NFL. B, you're going to like the second one, so consider this like eating your vegetables before you get dessert, okay? So the first one, I got to tell you, just so you know, so you're up to date, the second one you're going to like. Albert Breer reports that the Bears are expected to finalize their quarterback plans by the combine. Now, 
Go figure. They're going to go to the combine. They're going to get a good look at Caleb Williams. Who knows how much he's actually going to do. We're all expecting the Bears to trade Justin Fields and draft Caleb Williams. But might that mean that things start to heat up? Trade talks start to heat up following the combine. That's typically what happens because you're going to these combine or this combine and you're saying, all right, let me make sure this player is who I think he is. A lot of the time, this is a formality. You can run your 40. doesn't matter. You run a slow 40. What Jason ran a, I guess, slower 40 out of four or five. Still didn't stop him from going number 20 overall. You're just getting there to, to get eyes on these prospects and then have these conversations with them, too, to make sure that it's going to be a good fit. So this typically happens. Once the combine is, uh, is coming on, you start to hear a bit more about what's going on. Next up, Justin Fields caused a stir when he unfollowed the Bears on Instagram. Now, as you guys know, because I just told you the story, Caleb Williams is expected to be the Bears' number one overall pick. That means Justin Fields could be on his way out. So Justin Fields had a lot to clarify during an interview with the St. Brown Bros podcast. Um, And as part of this, he said, look, I still mess with the Bears. He also had a little nugget that I did not include in my snapshot. So I saw this posted uh, from Adam Schefter. I haven't had a chance to listen to the full clip, so I missed this part of it. Justin Fields on why he unfollowed the Bears. Quote, just because you don't follow the girl on IG don't mean you're not messing with them. But it does. Justin, what? If you unfollow the girl... You're not messing with her. I'm just saying now, his, his explanation about why makes complete sense, right? Sure. He goes, look, man, I don't want football yeah. on my mind. You yeah. know, so you get rid of the Bears, you get rid of the NFL. For yeah. sure, I'm all about the focus. I, I get you trying to put a bar out there. I get it. But legit, if you unfollow the girl, you're means. not messing with her. That's also, exactly what it means. unfollowing the girl is kind of disrespectful. Like, I still mess with you just in secret. It's not supposed to make anyone feel good. Like, let me tell you what. If anyone ever tries to hide, you know, like, I just, I unfollowed Stacey, if I unfollowed you today, you would think there's an issue. I'd be like, why are we fighting? Exactly. Yeah, I I thought we were friends. What's going on? Jesse, Justin, that's exactly what he was doing. He was trying to drop bars. He was trying to be Mm -hmm. funny. And it ended up being like, that doesn't really make sense. Yeah, that's exactly what it means, Justin. Justin, what do you mean? It's fine. Just stick to your other explanation. That made way (laughs) more sense. Stick with that. Just don't, (laughs) don't even switch it up too much. Uh, ESPN analyst and former Jets GM Mike Tannenbaum threw out a wild trade proposal for the Chiefs. As we know, the Chiefs need some wide receiver help. They've already engaged in trades with the Dolphins, formerly sending Tyreek Hill there. This trade is that the Chiefs will get Jalen Waddell from Miami in exchange for Trent McDuffie. Man, I'm saying... um... Now, I understand why, because they do need some receiver help over there. But there's a guy named Mike Evans, who is a free agent this year, 10 consecutive 1,000-yard seasons. And I wouldn't get rid of Trick McDuffie. I'm telling you, you guys go back. If you have um, NFL replay, go ahead and watch the All-22 and watch Trent McDuffie go to work in the Super Bowl. He is one of the best corners in the league, especially in that slot, that nickel spot. I wouldn't do it. I think that receiver is a position that we're starting to see. Guys can get into the league now and be productive. It used to be you wait like one or two years to see what happens. Go ahead and get your receiver or go ahead and get a veteran in Mike Evans. You should not get rid of Trent McDuffie. The 253, I've had my wife blocked for years. I ain't having that foolishness on my page. Here's where you here's where you played yourself. You mute. You you I don't know what the equivalent would be yeah. on Instagram, but like people can see that you've blocked them. Yeah. Can you see that on Instagram? Can you see if I don't know. someone's blocked you? Don't know. I'm not about to test it. Try it. Block me. I won't I won't, no, I won't not, take it not, personal. Can someone who's been blocked <laughs> tell me if on Instagram you can see that you've been blocked? Because obviously you can on Twitter. 
Like, if you block someone, most of the time they can see that you block them. Like, mm-hmm. be a little... First of all, it's your wife. Okay? <laughs> Maybe she's sharing photos of whatever she's sharing because she loves you and she wants to share these things. But also, you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, give away the the approach here. Maybe you mute it. Maybe you just don't say anything. Yeah. Stacy, for reasons of science, I have just blocked you on Instagram. Oh, that's not very well. Let me look up and see. Reasons of science. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Gotta we're, test this theory. We're experimenting. I just. I don't think this person should should be uh, testing. Matt, I can't even find you. I can't even find you, Matt. Exactly. Oh no. So you just can't find it. Here, oh. I'll send you a link to my profile. I've just been. I, this is devastating. Well, I, I really hope that you unblock your wife for your, the health of your guys' Oh, marriage. maybe they got that kind of relationship, you know? Maybe um, she's fine with it. Yeah. All right. Moving on here. Uh, <laughs> actually, let's just wrap up NFL headlines. I've, I've now reached the <laughs> weird part of NFL headlines where I'm having Matt block me on air so he can <laughs> test to see uh, what this person's seeing. Stop blogging your wife. Oh, no posts yet. It just shows nothing. Well, She's going to find out. You're listening to Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. We're going to take a look at some tough decisions the Seahawks are going to make this offseason because coming up at 1 p.m., Bob Condota of the Seattle Times has a proposal for a roster move that will affect one of your faves. Don't go anywhere. Bump and Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacey Rost. Um, Matt, I noticed that you haven't unblocked me uh, yet on Instagram. <laughs> oh, wh- whoops. I'll, uh, I feel I'll, like this uh, whole thing was an excuse to block me. That's oh, a little my, suspicious. You know, my phone's on the charger. Oh, is it? In the <laughs> it's room. too far away yeah, right it's, now? It's not, Interesting. it's not anywhere. Interesting. Uh, all right, Seattle Times' Bob Kendota talks about why Seattle could part ways with Will Disley. We're, cu- we're talking about that coming up in 15 minutes. Not Uncle Will, no. But the reason that we're talking about it is because the Seahawks have some uncomfortable decisions to make this offseason. You got a couple big cap hits in 2024. Gino, Tyler, Jamal, DK, Quandre, Dre Jones is on there. Now, not all of these guys are like true cap casualties. Uh, for instance, with like DK or Dre Jones, it would cost you more money to cut them than it would to not cut them so Mm -hmm. that's not a true it would be like a maybe a trade candidate or something like that they're not doing that but they're included here because they have high cap hits um but gino's on here he is technically a trade candidate tyler jamal i don't know who's trading for it but certainly a candidate quandre as much as it pains us to say it i mean these are guys that are getting paid a lot of money because they earn those contracts but Seattle is projected to be right now about $5 million over the cap. They don't need to create a ton of room, but they will have to make at least one tough decision. Yeah, they do, man. It's um, tougher for us than it is for Mike McDonald, I feel like. It's tough anyway. It's going to be tough for us to receive it. Obviously, it's tough for him to make these decisions because he's building his team, just like he's building his staff. He's trying to see who are the right fits, but he's also being advised by whoever handles the money over there, and John Schneider. Um, I look at the uh, the headline here. There are no Pete guys anymore. You know what that reminded me of? So will Mike, will Mike McDonald make some uncomfortable decisions? The reason I look at this situation and I go, well, he has no relationships with these guys. Mm-hmm. It For random memory just popped in my head. When I was uh, maybe in like seventh grade or something, I'm walking home and um, there's this uh, young lady that walks by. We walk by each other all the time, right? Like, 
we see each other. We don't really know each other, but we see each other. We know each other's names and everything, but we don't talk. And I say, what's up to her? She's like, you don't know me. It's like, dang. Wow. You don't know me. In front of my boys and everything, just embarrass the heck out of me. And for some reason, I'm just associating that Mike McDonald with the Seahawks and Seahawks and Mike McDonald. They're like, look, we know each other, right? I know who you are. You know who I am. Um, I've watched you. I coached against you, but we don't really know each other. So you're more likely to make difficult decisions um, easier than you would if you actually had a relationship with that person. Exactly. So big ups to that girl who dissed me in front of the boys. You made me stronger. I appreciate that. <laughs> but, <laughs> you were just saying hi. I was, what's up? And you know? She, you don't know me. I'm like, yeah, we live on the same street. I pass by you all the time. Uh, also, there's like a secret familiarity. Like you and I have joked about this. You know, like accidental bathroom or kitchen buddies at yeah. work. Like something about your guys' schedule is the same to where you always go to the bathroom and that other person is always in the mm-hmm. bathroom at the same time. And you're like, I've seen this person like twice today. I know this person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's why, how I view this situation is that no matter how you put it, it is tough building a team in the NFL. But if there's anything to soften the blow, it would be you don't have a real connection with these dudes yet. Um, But Schneider does. I know. So... With Schneider being the general manager, and this was what you what happens when you get cut or they release you. It's happened to me a couple times, right? They take you upstairs, they sit you down, they tell you how great you are and all the things that you've done well for the team, but we got to let you go. John Schneider's going to have that conversation with whoever they decide to let go. And Mike McDonald's going to be there just nodding his head and be like, yeah, you know, we're, we wish you the best. You know, we'll, we'll send your resume over to whoever, wherever you go. But uh, it's going to be tougher for Schneider, man. And, and that is the... Uh, the hard part about his job, lots of hard things about his job. Let's not get it twisted, but having to look guys in their eye. And for some guys, this is it for them. Mm -hmm. This is it. Whether you're an old guy at the end of his career or a young guy who just isn't good enough to, to, to hop on the football field, it's going to be tough. So naturally you look at Geno, Tyler, Jamal, DK, Quandre and Dre Jones, because they are getting paid the most. If I had to bet, I would assume that at least one of these guys ain't going to be here. Maybe even two. Uh, admit it, bump says the two five three. You said what's up because you were trying to look good in front of your. Boys. I was, I was, <laughs> I was. She was cute. We see each other all the time. I'm like, quote with the squad. What's up? I don't know you. Wow. You don't know me. It made me stronger. Though. Did they all start laughing immediately? No, they waited until she walked away. Ew, At least they that's waited. Tough. Yep. That's tough. Um, <laughs> no, I'm glad. The thing is, as cutthroat, and I'm sure, maybe humiliating, heartbreaking. Um, hurtful as it can be to have those ties severed from a player's point of view. As a fan who feels like there was a lot of acceptance of the status quo with this team, mm-hmm. because you're winning just enough to be fine with it, right. is the problem with where the Seahawks were. I'm intrigued. Like, this could all go downhill. This This could be a horrible coaching staff or maybe the best thing possible for this team. And that is to get an injection of new voices and eyes and ears and to be like, why isn't this guy playing better? Well, isn't or that, like, why are you paying this guy so much? That's the, that's why you got rid of Pete. Yeah. Because ultimately. you needed a change. You needed someone to look at this football team and maybe roll the dice on a guy that you weren't willing to, mm-hmm. or, Maybe bring in someone that you weren't willing to bring in or didn't want to bring in. Or maybe let go of a guy that you were holding on to, man. So um, 
this is the this is uh it's almost like when the um when when the earth like refreshes itself right when you get these these forest fires and all that stuff and the positive that comes out of it is that the nutrients and the soil are are richer now and there are benefits from that kind of stuff right that's how I see this situation I go there's there's a fire that's gonna rush through VMAC low key mm-hmm. just a little bit not a big one but what it's gonna it's do is gonna refresh everything in there whether it's for better or for worse we're gonna find out over time but initially you're looking at the fire you're saying man that's messed up but you you hope that when it's all said and done this team's better off i don't think it's going to be the wave that we saw when john and pete initially took over when it felt like every other name like there was a transaction like a million transactions a day i don't think we'll see that kind of roster turnover Mm -hmm. in part because they don't have quite as much cap flexibility and uh draft capital to work with as they did back in 2010 um i do wonder as do you and why we're talking about it whether there will be some changes we're not expecting oh yeah definitely there's gonna be at least one move to where curtis or maybe even today nelson gets on the mic and says hey we got some breaking news and you're gonna get your voice going i'm gonna get my shocked face i'm genuinely interested and we are gonna be surprised i i guarantee you something like that's gonna happen. matt delivering breaking news would be my dream day guys 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 Big breaking news right now. <laughs> Stacy is still blocked on Instagram. <laughs> it's horrible. Uh, let's see. Uh, 40-480, you think the fans were content? No, I think that that's why people... There was a building frustration. I would say it really kicked into high gear with the wild card. Was it a wild card loss to the Dallas Cowboys? Like when the let Russ cook thing simultaneously took off, even though that didn't stick around and people started to get frustrated with Russ... There was a discontentment that kind of mm-hmm. took off with Pete Carroll after that. That was the first time, I think it was 2018, that was the first time I remember seeing more often than not after a season, people start having questions about like, I don't know, is Pete Carroll going to leave? And every time you were like, no. yeah, Like, no, he's not going anywhere. But I don't think fans were happy with it. I think fans... It's a frustrating place to be because you know you're good enough to win, and so you let yourself buy in. Like, at no point have I truly entered a Seahawks season, with the exception of when they traded Russ, thinking they were going to be a bad team. Like, at no point have I entered a season, even when I was in training camp and I'd be like, oh, this offense is looking rough, or like, ah, the defense, you know, they're so young, they need to get it together. There have not been many moments as Seahawks fans in the last decade where you've thought, I have no hope for this season. And that can be kind of heartbreaking in itself because you know that you're also a couple steps away. Yeah. Um, I want to respond to something real quick. Yeah. Um, someone on the text line said, but what if he messes it up and he's gone? Mike McDonald messes it up and he's gone before the season ends. That ain't happening. He He's going to have several years to try to fix this thing. They could win two games next year. Mm-hmm. All right. He's not going to be out here. There's no way they're only winning two games next year either. So yeah, yeah. I've only seen that happen once. I was with Jim Moore. I don't see that happening. here. You did get some love also from the Macca Jacks text line. Yo, from the five Oh nine shout out from this ecologist to bump for the forest fire metaphor. I'm so here for that dude. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's up. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to continue this conversation with someone who knows this team. Well, Seattle times reporter, Bob Condota joins us next. Don't go anywhere.